Hi everybody, it's Stefan Molyneux from Free Domain Radio. It is December the 16th, 2011, and one of the great fires of liberty in the U.S. legal system has been snuffed out and extinguished. Outrage as President Obama signed off on a law to detain homegrown terror suspects indefinitely. Now American citizens can be arrested within the U.S., and sent to Guantanamo if they're linked to Al-Qaeda or the Taliban. This link can be as tenuous as donating to a charity that turns out to have been a front in some means to some terrorist organization. And, of course, this was from the president who had campaigned on the promise to close Guantanamo Bay. Now, of course, he's going to be extending and expanding the detentions in Guantanamo with homegrown U.S. citizenry. I mean, this is exactly what the U.S. is continually telling other countries not to do, right? To to respect the rule of law, to respect habeas corpus, to respect the right to a trial by the jury of your peers, and uh, it is monstrous. It is monstrous, and this is so predictable. I mean, it is absolutely, completely, and totally predictable that the wars that you wage overseas will almost always come home to your citizens, right? Remember? England waged a war against National Socialism and then socialized everything after the war. America and the West waged war against uh, corrupt oligarchies in World War I. At least that was the cover story to make the world safe for democracy. And through the progress of the expansion of the fiat currency supply and central banking created a brutal new oligarchy that continues to this day selling debt and tax livestock into almost perpetual slavery for the sake of having the right to type whatever number they want into their own goddamn bank accounts. So this is uh, what happens. When you wage an unjust war overseas, that injustice will come back. It will come back in the form of traumatized veterans who will disrupt and disturb society. This kind of... I mean... There's cl uh, claims of victory of the, in the war in Iraq, and the military operations are supposed to be ending, which means that basically they're going to continue uh, off the books in the terms of hiring private mercenary companies to continue to brutalize the Iraqi population. So if there's victory uh, in Iraq and there's claims of great strides in Afghanistan, then why would you need these additional brutalities at home? Why would you need to give the U.S. government the power to detain indefinitely people that are defined by very shadowy legal standards that can be stretched every six ways from Sunday. Well, I can tell you why I think this is the case, and uh, time will tell. I've been pretty good in my accurate, uh, the accuracy of my predictions to date, but it's quite simple. And I say this from some knowledge uh, that uh, I worked once with a military fellow uh, who was still in the military, and uh, back in the day... Canada slashed its government 10 to 20 percent, uh, cut a lot of uh, payments to, to uh, the poor and to other dependent classes. And this guy who was still in the military said that, um, yeah, pretty much all we're doing is we are uh, drilling for civil unrest. We are preparing for civil unrest at the moment. And that is what the military is up to. Because as they cut these government programs, there was great concern that there would be rebellions, insurrections. And so that's all the military was trained to be done, was to be deployed against the citizens who are forced to pay for them. This has nothing to do with the war on terror. This has everything to do with a fear of discontent, of rebellion, of rebelliousness within the United States itself. This has nothing to do with the war on terror at all. And 
the reality is that the pensions for public sector workers are vastly underfunded, which means they're going to run out of money. Social Security has nothing but a dusty collection of IOUs in the Treasury vaults, so they're going to run out of money for that. The, um, the teachers, they're going to run out of money for the teachers in the school system, which means that teenagers are going to be let loose on the streets with no supervision, who have all been traumatized by wretchedly bad miseducation. They're going to run out of money for prisons. They're going to run out of money for veterans. They're going to run out of money for the police. They're going to run out of money for all of this. And it is in the anticipation of being unable to pay the enforcers on the tax farm that they're afraid that the tax cattle are going to stampede the farmhouse. And so, yeah, you need these extra powers for fear of civil unrest within the borders. This is a story as old as time. You brutalize people overseas, you always end up having to brutalize people at home. It's natural. Because brutalizing people overseas creates a traumatized and indebted population and a dependent and bribed population, bread and circuses, bread and circuses, bread and fucking circuses, just like ancient Rome. Bread being welfare, circuses being publicly funded sports and reality television. Which is an oxymoron if <laughs> I've ever heard one. You brutalize people overseas, war is a scything boomerang that always comes home, that always comes back. You throw it and it returns. And this is the price that people pay for the bloodlust of 2001 and 2003, the invasions of Afghanistan and Iraq, rather than a sober reassessment of the degree to which U.S. foreign policy was breeding murderous rebellions overseas. There is a price to be paid for every moral decision that we make. And if you bay with the crowd to murder the other, to murder the foreigners, to invade their countries, Jeff Berwick's uh, excellent column recently pointed out Americans are not the greatest people in the world to be upset about illegal immigration because I don't think that any of the soldiers in the Middle East got their tourist stamps on their passports. I don't believe that they went through customs or subjected themselves to the local laws. But there is a price to be paid. You have to look into the mirror, you have to look into your own heart and say, did I support the baying bloodhounds of mob madness in the charge to war in the early parts of the 21st century? Well, the price to be paid is the debt. Right? Everybody wants war because it's exciting. To depressed and empty people, violence is a thrill. And everybody wants war. Now, if you send them a bill for that war right away, they suddenly become much more able to put down their guns because they realize that they're shooting at their own bank accounts. But if you go into debt, then people get the thrill of war without the costs of war in financial terms, without the immediate hit of war. So it's free evil, right? That's what government debts are all about. Free evil. Pay later. Well, now is later. Now is later. And the escalation of these Domestic tyrannies is only going to increase as the government, which knows the true facts about the finances, which I guarantee you are far worse than anything that's been put out there, and also the imminence of the fiscal crunch. Bank runs have already begun in various places in Europe, and uh, it's going to spread. And so, yeah, they're going to be unable to pay off the dependent classes, and if Americans, of course, are very well armed, so the government is going to have to start putting more draconian measures in place. I mean, that's just natural. You know, when they cows start charging the fence, you electrify the fence when you have to. What's your option? Become productive yourself? No, of course not. And so 
my thought about this is that I believe that the final and most damning moral condemnation is going to fall upon us who know the most about this, depending on the degree to which we are willing to act with great strength and moral clarity of purpose in the face of these descending storms, the black-cloaked satanic wings of these falling Nazgul, these stukas of totalitarianism that are coming buzzing down on the largely blind villages below. That is our responsibility. If you are the doctor and you have the cure, it is your fault if the plague spreads, no matter what you have to do to get people to take their medicine. I saw a video a couple of years ago, which was, I mean, it was kind of manipulative, but quite effective. It was a friend's message from hell to his Christian friend who didn't fight hard enough to bring him to Jesus and save him from hell. And without the intervention of strong moral souls, the world will slide into ever-increasing state tyrannies. That is the role and the rule of history. History comes down to the decisions and the resolution of particular individuals. There is no such thing as a historical movement, historical patterns, greater historical forces. No. It comes down to how deep you are willing to plant the cleats of your integrity and resolution and stand before the storms of social disapproval and attack and condemnation and resistance and skepticism and scorn and contempt and mockery. If you are willing to stand in the face of those storms until the world begins to rotate around the deep truths of your own propositions, then the world can be saved. And in the absence of that, you will simply be blown into totalitarianism along with everyone else. And I know that people don't want to hear the truth. People in your life, people in my life, they don't want to hear the truth. It's going to be, future's going to be pretty much like the past. Historic, historically, this is not true. Historically, this is not true. The French Revolution was not like what came before. It was a blood-soaked, murderous mob of immense and endless psychopathy. The growing liberalization end of serfdom, the growing liberalization of Russia, the early part of the 20th century, did not slowly progress, rolling gently like a blown dandelion up the sunlit hill towards the shining city in the hill called modern freedom, capitalism, and democracy. No. It became a blood-soaked grave, a brain-mashing communistic harvesting of all souls who stood in the way of the extension of state power. The future is rarely like the past, and the future either goes up or it goes down. The future either loosens the shackles on mankind or tightens them around its neck. And the people in your life who resist the truth of what you have to say, you need to fight harder for them, for their future. Bless them, for they know not what they do. And if you fail, and if you fall, and if the jackal blood swastika hounds of statism ride past you and under the throats of those who you could have saved, I think with their last breath they will damn you for not fighting harder for them. Although they resisted you, although they fought you, they will still curse you, 
and there are the innocent among them who have never heard of freedom, who know not what is coming. The young, the children. We need to stand against all forms of social disapproval to ring this blame-spritting bell of freedom, even if it harms the ears of the sensitive and shocks the conscience of the moribund. Because if we fall, less than nothing will stand.